Can I have one? Okay. Um, Ooh, good coffee. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll take a coffee. It's probably terrible radio. I'll take them anyway. Okay. Whatever you pull out, yeah. This might be the worst idea I've ever had in my life. <laughs> but we'll see. Find out. I mean, it's a good idea for you. It's better than coughing. Sure. Yeah. This is true. All right. I'm digging it. Um, I think I got lemon. I'm orange. <laughs> um, I'm going to put this out as its own episode. You and me, <laughs> you and me eating cough cups. Whenever my world falls apart... I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn, playwright, filmmaker, and professor of communications at American University. So as you may or may not be aware, I edit this show. The conversations usually last about 90 minutes or so, which I then cut down to the 45 to 55 minute episodes. And while a lot of deleted material makes its way into our intermissions, some of it is either too short, too obscure, or just too much me to justify its own intermission episode. So this week I'm presenting all the clips of this ilk I have accumulated over the first six months of doing this show. You'll hear Michael J. Bobbitt, Evan Casey, Roddy Flynn, Lee Liebeskind, Liz Maestri, Tracy Lynn Oliveira, Hannah Hessel-Ratner, Sophie Schulman, and Megan Westman talking all all kinds of nonsense. Or just listening to me talk all kinds of nonsense. And as always, all conversations are joined already in progress. It's the, it's the, the that's the, I really hope we're, I want us to move towards a, a, a an era and hopefully Hamilton can do this as well because it can do everything um, at this point in, in history. Um, I'm so tired of watching historical dramas on TV and things that try to get the makeup exactly right for right. all the actors. Because most of the time, the actor looks ends up looking nothing like themselves or the person they're portraying. Right. They look like some bizarre wax amalgam. Right, I agree. Um, that you see, like a discount, like a battlefield somewhere. All those, they Nixon, just made their own. All those Nixon movies. Yeah, and... it's just... <laughs> yeah. And I really wish they would stop trying. Yeah. I really, I re- just completely <laughs> stop trying and just let the actor do... The character, because you're not. It's also that problem we run into where these these movies or these plays or whoever market themselves as being like, oh, we did all this research and we got all this stuff for this character, and then if you make one historical change, which you're gonna make because you're telling a story, people jump all over you because right. that's not the way. And it's happening now with Hamilton, and it should. I mean, it's any successful and an historical effort should be scrutinized. And yep. this is a this is something we're not. A, we don't know how we feel yet as a culture with telling stories, historical stories, on stage or screen in two to three hours, you're going to have to cut stuff, change stuff, move stuff. Right, and right. we don't quite know how we feel about that yet. So I, I think one way to get around it is just stop doing the makeup. Like, let's just start yeah, there. Yeah, you know, and I was I was of the camp that if the if the play, if, if race is a plot point in the play, then it, it is your responsibility to tell that story appropriately with the right casting. Mm-hmm. But then you look at Hamilton. Right, and it's not the right casting for the roles that they're playing. And so, do we really need to be like that as artists? Do we need to limit ourselves to that? And let's be honest: is this a one-sided story? Right. Because what people accept a white dream girls cast. Well, that is the I problem. I mean, that's the thing. If you, if you, it, it seems to be that people going that way, casting minorities as 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 white people, 
seems to or be in roles that are traditionally, in roles that are traditionally but right. characters that would be white. Yeah, if, if you're talking historical, um, seems to be something that is accepted. Whereas if you went the other way, it it's would not absolutely not. And it's you were not talking, as I've said on this podcast before, talking to a guy who in second grade was in a production of Martin, the story of Martin Luther King, where a white kid played Martin Luther King. Well, that was a big story on the newspaper. Some college was. Oh, this, I mean, it was, was shut down. No, right. but it was a college of, uh, oh, okay. of Martin Luther King. Of Martin Luther King. Oh, wow. Martin Luther King. So it brings up another question about um, the the casting is, and, and if it's one sided, we know in our communities, our theater communities, that um, casting non traditionally means that people of any culture can play roles that may have been traditionally played by white people. That mm-hmm. is sort of the norm. But we don't do it the other way, where we cast white people in roles that are played by, that are written for ethnic characters to play. And I think possibly because there's still a dearth of work for artists of color. And so the responsibility is to give that artist of color work. Well, there's also no, we have a terrible history in our art of whitewashing characters and roles and blackface right. and casting Charlton Heston as a Mexican in Touch of Evil, Orson Welles' film. Right. There is no history of the reverse. Yeah. So to me, the the, the real reason is bec- the reason that casting a, a white actor in a in Mar- as Martin Luther King is so offensive is because it feeds into a deeper historical wrong right. that we are still wrestling right. with and right. will wrestle with. Whereas... The reverse, it does not exist. There is, there is no cultural appropriation of, right. you know, of that. So, and no cultural whitewashing. You know, uh, there's no blackwashing of, of white culture. That's not a that's not a historical problem we've had. Right. Um, so I think that that's one of the reasons that anytime this shows up, people rightly go, "This isn't okay," and we can't just let it slide. Yeah. It has to be addressed. But it does have the, I mean, there's famously, because you're a, a DC guy, you, you, I'm sure you rem- remember when Howard wanted to do the all African-American production of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Oh, yeah. And Edward Albee said no. And then they brought him in to see it. And he said, oh, my gosh, yes. And rewrote sections of the <laughs> yeah, show yeah, yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think it just requires some open-mindedness on the part of, of, right. of everybody. I, well, well, I hope we get to that place someday where, again, if we're obsessed with each other's race, it doesn't mean you have to be of that culture to tell art about that culture. And, I, and, and that sort of leads me to my next point, which is, what is the response? What really is the responsibility of the producers when they are doing shows about a certain culture to hire people in the room that are of that culture? I know as a black man, I don't want to be pigeonholed to only doing shows about black culture. I'd love to, mm-hmm. and most of my work has not been shows that are specific to um, a culture. But again, the story comes up all the time. It can can a white director direct a black show? Is that all right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I do believe that you don't have to be of a culture to do art about that culture. But your responsibility is to be authentic and to maybe have other people in the room that you are working with and that you're collaborating with the artists that you do have in the room and not being sort of the overlord. But I, but it's a it's a touchy subject. And it I is. think some of it goes back to the, the dearth of work for people of color mm-hmm. in, the, in, in our industry. Um, and so if there's an opportunity to hire someone that is of that culture, then that may be the responsibility. But I don't know. I don't want to make up the rule. Um, someday <laughs> you want we'll this get utopia, there. though. I mean, I, you got to In you my know, utopia. You got to fight for it. But right? in my utopia, it doesn't matter. Right. That's your utopia is already done. You yeah. know, right? it's, yeah. all, it's all fixed and it fine. It doesn't matter because we all and, love each other and we are and obsessed then, with each other. Great. And so you, well, you listen to albums, a lot of cast albums in the house. And 
now is it fair for me to say at this point that most of them were just the same ones I was listening to? Yes. Okay. So I so from when I was young, I remember you listening to all kinds of things. My my most vivid memory is you uh, and the the recording of Assassins uh, by Sondheim. Yes. Having Michael and I act out the uh, what was the how I saved Roosevelt how I saved Roosevelt and, yeah. and now so your you, memory of this is that I made you do this several times my yes. memory is that I made you do it once no there were rehearsals okay there were, right. um, for no one we I should say we yeah. didn't then put this on for our parents <laughs> no. I was like well, twelve or thirteen yeah I was six you were five six or seven and uh, yeah we did this in my room yes yeah well and Sweeney Todd and you had your little razor blade it wasn't a real razor blade oh it was no a I had that comb, comb. yeah the yeah comb. it was like a little like flip, switchblade, switchblade yeah. comb that you would like drag across Michael and I's faces really? as yes, as you sang, Pretty Women, pr- uh, That'd yeah, be Pretty yeah. Women, yeah. Um, I don't see that. I don't remember at all. Okay. So yeah. All right. It so was, it was wanted, weird. It was <laughs> we had a weird. <laughs> whether you wanted to be or not, yeah. you were involved. I was into it. Um, but you were into it. I yeah. was. Oh, very much. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was a willing participant. You remember the movie Evita? Have you seen the with movie? Madonna? With Madonna and Antonio no, Banderas. Never, I've never seen it. So there's, I know. That was my favorite that's a movie fun. musical for a really long time. I respect that. I heard it's a good movie, though. No, no. Movie. You should no, never be embarrassed. No embarrassed. It's a good movie. By your favorite movie musical. Thank you, Tracy. That is one of the my points of this entire... My husband's is Seven entire... Brides for Seven Brothers. Mm, that's oh, my gosh. other favorite. <laughs> um, I had never seen <laughs> that until after Evan and I got married. Wow. And he was like, just so you know, if you hate this, I will divorce you. It's starting strong. Dude. Like, I, I mean, Fiddler will always hold my heart as my favorite, but man, that might be number two for me. Like, yeah. Seven it's a terrible song. story, though. I mean, Oh, my God, it's so rapey. It's <laughs> oh, yes. just, sorry, my just mom yelled, and I, like, like, regularly sing the Sob and Women song together, oh, which is all about, you know, taking women away and raping them. But, right. like, do what you got to oh, yeah. do because it's Seven Rap Brides for Seven Brothers. <laughs> like, snatch them up like them their <laughs> Romans do or else they'll think you're touched. Like, what? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> That's offensive on every level. Like, there's, like, three kinds of offensive going on right there. True magic. <laughs> I don't think I think the only time Napoleon even comes close to getting mentioned is that Tenardier's backstory is that he was at the Battle of Waterloo and he picked this is not on the cast album. This no, is see, on the complete symphonic recording. Even, and I don't know if it's even in the show anymore, but there's this whole thing where the people in the inn sing about Tenardier. And... Mine host Tenardier, he was there, so they say, at the field of Waterloo. Gump there, it's true, and the fight was all through. But he knew just what to do. Crawling through the mud, so I've heard it said Picking through the pockets of the English dead He made a tidy score from the spoils of war mm-hmm. And that's how he got his start Okay And then became, I don't know, an innkeeper? Yes, you know It's funny Because that's the next step I keep coming back to Tenardier, but he just he really does fascinate me as a character Because we know so little about him mm-hmm. And he has such a profound impact on everything that happens yeah. in the show how, like, first of all, how did he get the inn? We see him at the inn. He's running the inn. The next time we see him, which is probably 15 years later, he has lost the inn and right. is now on the streets of Paris stealing, like just is right. running short cons, basically. Well, we're, I think we're in the very short bit of information we receive, we're led to believe that he lost the inn somehow because he let because he let Cosette go, which was a source of income for him. Although she, although Fantine wasn't giving him a lot of money for her, but nevertheless, yeah. that was a source of steady income because he says like, 
I let her go for a Can, song. It's time to settle the debt, right? That's but, why he's gonna. That's but do you remember how much Jean Valjean gives him? Yeah, he gives him like fifteen hundred francs, right? Fifteen hundred francs. Right. When, in the context of the show, early Fantine has trouble raising ten francs. Right, I know. She has to sell her hair to raise ten francs, and he gets fifteen hundred from Jean Valjean, and then says to it. So I take that as a lie. I think he's oh, lying. I, yeah. About oh, I that. do. Th- I do think that. Well. And he I, could have fleeced him for more. I mean, I just think he's. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he's necessarily lying about letting. I mean, clearly he didn't let her go for a song. But what I. But I do think he's. I mean, I think clearly it's on him. Clearly he's. Yeah. Mis- he came into some money. Mis- he's like the guy that won the lottery and then you know, blew it on. I mean, fifteen years later, blow. he's bankrupt essentially. Right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there's and, and stealing pe- from people and right. and run and has a gang. I mean, he he's doing okay for himself, I guess, in terms of being a criminal, professional right. criminal. Right. But. Yeah, he's he's virtually destitute, and right. yeah, has to go rob. Just, I it never occurred to me even seeing the show until I sat down to think about it that we see Master of the House, we see the Waltz of Treasury, and then the next scene we see is Thenardier robbing Jean Valjean on the street and then recognizing him. Right, and then that little kerfuffle gets broken up by Javert, like the. Right. The infinity of like of all the gin joints and all the cities and all the world. Right. <laughs> These three people running into each other in Paris in the 19th century. I don't know. It just it makes me laugh. Um, the inexplicable nature of it. As we say, there's a lot of holes in the show. But again, I don't care. Sure. I don't. At no point did it bother me until I really sat down to think about it, which I think is a, is a credit to the score. <laughs> Okay. So you've been there for like when Forum Five and, and uh, Man of yeah. La Mancha? Forum, yeah, Forum, Man of La Mancha, Kiss Me Kate. Okay. And next year we're doing Secret Garden and I'm really oh, excited about it. Oh, I love the Secret Garden. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Garden. And it's and it's one of those things that, you know, seven or eight years ago I would have been like, oh, my God, the Secret Garden. They do that at every <laughs> regional theater. They do it, you know, every dinner theater. Mm-hmm. Do we need to hear another version of Lily's eyes? But yes, but yes, yes, we, we do. do. Yes, we do. I, without fail, there are a number. I've said on this podcast before. There are a number of songs that make me cry. I'm, I'm, I'm weepy. But if I, if I needed to cry for anything I was ever doing, um, how could I ever know? I think oh. is just about the most heartbreaking scene. One of the most heartbreaking scenes in theater. For a show that sort of dances the line between are the ghosts real, are they ghosts, like where are they, are they in Archie's head, or are they literal manifestations of the dead, to to watch it, like no matter how you view it, that's a beautiful, that is either a woman like getting her husband to go back and love their son, or it is a man forgiving himself in that moment. It's just, I know, right? And ever since my son was born... It caught me completely off guard. I was just listening to it one day, and you know, there's that great song before the letter song that Mandy Patinkin. Oh, where in the world? The Mandy, when Mandy Patinkin sings it, and he's run, you know, being Mandy, and it's great. And then that that haunting little line comes in, and and uh, Rebecca Luker sings that. Where you 
start crying out god yeah, that, i'm gonna that, cry all the way through that show it's so every great. time i see it it's, it is such a beautiful i mean it's a beautiful so, book especially since having a kid i mean uh, oh, something yeah. that starts with someone's parents dying and then mm-hmm. you know it's just like oh. and i love i love about that i love about that show <laughs> is that normally a show like that where you have a, a young child comes to a house where everything's broken she would it would be Shirley Temple and she'd fix it by her smiles and pluck right. and little orphan Annie-ness. <laughs> and she doesn't. She's this most sour, nasty, spoiled little girl. And she Well, they teach each other something. But it's the great thing about how she's stubborn and she's nosy. And she discovers right. these secrets and then she just like just fixes like she just go but she just she sees through all the crap to the like simple answer <laughs> and then like by helping people she becomes happier it's a really like much more i think realistic way <laughs> this would actually happen yeah. it hurts there's a lot of scenes of pain in that of people yeah. you know, like forcibly yelling at each other and just absolutely and like i say there's that song in that at the end where like this character just lets their soul out on the stage and yeah, that's a show. That show kind of gets got a bad rap for a little while, I think, and is coming, hopefully, coming back around. And... We probably had the sound of music, and I know we had Barbara Streisand, and she sort of counts. Yeah. Yeah. But um, now, later, when when I became interested in doing musicals, then we. Started quite a collection, but... Oh, we also... We did own Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, which one? The, the, the movie. The, really? The movie cast album. Ah, which has that awesome overture. Yes. That huge overture. Which is really cool, but the rest is um, yeah, forgettable. And and for some reason, it like freaked me out as a kid. Had you seen the movie or no, just listened to the album? just listened to the album, but... I, I think Jesus, the whole crucifixion thing always freaked me out as a kid mm. anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, like I didn't listen to that one much. aggressive music. Like, it is really if aggressive. Even if like, you don't know the story, it's like yeah. much less amicable and fun times than your good man. Yeah, so yeah, yeah there's like, a lot going on <laughs> yeah. in Superstar. So, yeah. yeah, no, I didn't, I stayed away from that Well, one. the movie especially is very expressive, oh, shall we say. Bus. All I remember Josh is the Mastella bus. and the whole, oh, yeah. and like, the, and they're all Nazis. And, and yes, it's very, I forgot very, about that. Yeah, yeah. The movie is bananas. As far as because I grew up I with the um, the superstar that's the brown leather double the album, mm-hmm. yeah, the co- the concept album, yeah. And I used to listen to it on a Fisher Price record player because that's what we, yes. I had, and so it's just you know barely mono. And um, then I got the tape <laughs> for the movie, hear, like one voice, right? Pretty much coming out at a time. <laughs> and um, Murray Head can pull it off, and uh, and then I got the tape of the soundtrack of the movie, and I put it on. I remember in our stereo. And I play that overture where it has that huge horn section. Yeah. And I just thought that was stereo. Like that's what this sounds like. Oh yeah. In stereo. But of course it's not. Like it's right, it's, right. it's it's a full a full blown production. Amazing. 
I've never seen an Andrew Lloyd Webber show. You've never seen any Andrew Lloyd Webber shows? Not a single My goodness. One. Although my parents love Phantom of the Opera. Well, I'm, so, I'm not... My non-theater-going parents love... Well, a lot of non-theater-going people the love opera. Phantom. That's why it's still running, frankly. But I'm surprised. It surprises me you never... Not that you never saw Phantom, but that you never... This is what actually surprised me. You never had a friend who was in Jesus Christ Superstar no. somewhere. Like, no. that's just one of those... Never, huh. never saw it. Don't know it. I've listened to a lot of the music from Phantom, but mm-hmm. I don't know anything about the show. I think you should get yourself Superstar. I really do. Okay. Uh, because... As somebody I, who I know has a, a religious upbringing, you will know the story instantly. Okay. So, which is, a, I saw Superstar. <laughs> I saw Superstar when I was like 16 mm-hmm. with Ted Neely uh, in Philadelphia with a friend, a very good friend of mine who had no religious upbringing. And there's a scene in the be- in middle of Act One where Pontius Pilate comes out. I dreamed I met a Galilean, a most amazing man. He had that look. You very rarely find the haunting, hunted kind. And he said to me at intermission, "Who was the guy who came out wearing the crown of thorn, like the little, you know, leaf, the Roman leaf crown? Uh, mm-hmm. What do they call it? Garland and um, and uh, and sang that song. I was like, oh. oh, it was Pontius Pilate. And he goes, Oh." Okay. Whereas if you have like a religious upbringing, you kind of go, "Oh, this is the Jesus story." It's like, there's only pilot. like two people this could be, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. And the song is called "Pilot's Dream." If you look in the program, but you shouldn't <laughs> have to look in the program. Dream. You shouldn't have to look in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I, I think Superstar is great. And if you like musicals, I always I think I think of it as fantastic. But okay. if you don't love musicals, you're not going to think of it as fantastic. Or if you like Mandy Patinkin. And he likes Patty LuPone. I met Manny Patinkin. What? Yes. Pops up again only to cause problems for Jean Valjean later um, with the attack on Rue Plumet. But then has this, this song in the sewers after the battles where he's robbing the corpses and suddenly you realize what a amoral... Yeah monster he is it's a world where the dog eats the dog and they kill for the bones in the streets and god in his heaven he don't interfere cause he's dead as the stiffs at my feet and that's the moment to me where he at, he joins the, the trio of Javert and Jean Valjean, both of whom spend most of the show wrestling with God mm-hmm. and using God as their moral compass. Mm-hmm. Javert believes that God, he sings in stars, that there's an unwavering, that's what he likes about the stars. They're unwavering. They never change their mind. Right. They're constant. And that's how he believes. God. I mean, he says at one point to Fantine, Honest work, just reward. That's the way to please the Lord. He really, that's what he believes. And Jean Valjean, obviously overtly having been given these candlesticks by the priest at the beginning of the show, is also always wrestling with his debt to God to do the right thing. And he constantly is having to do the illegal thing right. to do the right thing. Right. Um, and eventually his point of view does win. I mean, he confronts Javert. He saves Javert's life, which blows Javert's mind. Right. And I think that's the moment Javert, from that point on out, is doomed. Oh, yes. The moment that Jean Valjean does, it's funny to say, but the minute he's not killed at the barricade by Jean Valjean, which he would view as correct, 
like from a the way the universe works standpoint. Right. Um, when Jean Valjean lets him go, he he he's not going to make it for the rest of the show. Right. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't. He doesn't make it because then he does the right thing instead of the the legal thing and has to throw himself off a bridge. Right. Yeah. Well, you put a, a a story on Facebook recently that I found interesting about taking your son to get his passport. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. It's just one of those quirks about my own personal family that um, that I that and it's not anyone's problem really mm-hmm. and I and I and I, I like posting about it because I think I think people find it interesting that you know our family is like a Benetton ad it's it's my husband is <laughs> my husband is white my son is Vietnamese and I'm black and and so it, it just is not what no, people normally see mm-hmm. and so and there's no problem with that and in fact it's it, what I find most interesting is that when we are out together Sang and I and maybe this is because my son's name is Sang he's Vietnamese mm-hmm. When we are out together, uh, and maybe because you don't see a lot of black folk adopting Asian kids, mm-hmm. but when we're out together, some people assume that we're Hispanic and just speak oh. to us in Spanish because it's hmm. an easier thing for them to put together. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Right? And little weird things. Like there was one time where he <laughs> we were at the movies. He ran out in front of me, and he turned around and did that thing that kids do, that they, they don't see their parents right in front of their face. Right. And they kind of freak out a little bit. And so I grabbed him, and right. someone grabbed me, you. thinking that I was doing Ooh. something wrong with my child. But, yeah, but 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 I don't get it. And I was like, thank you for sort of protecting the children right. of our country. Right, right, right. Um, I like where your head's at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, no, I, you know, no, it, just... Just maybe right. Yeah, right, ask right. a few more ask questions. questions. Look how the kids are reacting. Yeah, exactly. The kids okay with it. Maybe exactly. maybe just think it's okay. <laughs> we had a very interesting <laughs> incident um, because uh, my son, for some reason, he went 13 years of his life without any emergency room visits. And then the summer when he turned 14, there were like four in a row. And so, um, but and they all happened when I was in rehearsal and Craig was out of town. So oh, he is on Craig's insurance. Okay. And so when I had taken him to the emergency room, I have to have a photo of Craig's insurance card. Right. And when you fill out the form, it still says mother and father. Right. Was it, I think Hillary has this idea of saying parent, parent and parent, parent, and people yeah. are like outraged by that. Right, but of course they are. This is why. This is why you do yeah. parent right. and parent. So what I typically do is scratch out mother and write father. Mm-hmm. And so Craig and I have different last names. Sang clearly doesn't look like me. Right. His legal last name is Hannah. His middle name is Bobbitt. His legal last name is Hannah. And so when we were, um, you know, when you go to the emergency room, there's a triage person right. or a front desk person entering in all the information. And this guy, he was African. Um, he couldn't quite put it together. Mm-hmm. He would say, where is mother? And I would yeah. go, there's no mother. Right. There are two dads. He goes, wait, you are father? I would go, yes, mm-hmm. but who is Craig? He is the father. Right. You are stepfather? So he just was like having a right. really hard time putting Couldn't it Couldn't wrap together. his head around it, yeah. And it sort of felt like a vaudeville routine. And I may Would have, have been hilarious like, if you hadn't been in the emergency room. <laughs> right. I may have done a shave and a haircut and right. threw my hands out and sort of in a vaudeville. But so, and so that, that sort of happened a little bit with the passport thing that, you know, we when we have to go and with all of our papers and all this other stuff. So it wasn't really yeah. that big of a deal, but it's one of those little quirks in my life. Yeah. But I'm super proud of, actually, that we have this sort of very interesting eclectic family. And we are part of that utopia where we're obsessed about each other's cultures. And so, okay, yeah, I mean, saying when we go to my mom's house for 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 
soul food dinner, he eats like food is going away. <laughs> he just, he tears it. He's up. skinny, isn't he? Um, he is. I think he's pretty normal, but okay. it, it is. It's all muscle. It's all muscle. There's okay. No, yeah, it's all muscle. All right. So and he's tall. He's tall for a Vietnamese kid, but he's really tall. Oh wow! And I'd love me some pho. Okay. <laughs> all right. So yeah. There you go. Yeah. That works. Out. <laughs> it's my least favorite thing in the film world where a director's like, let's just cast this without holding an audition. Yeah. Because it means I have to go one by one and ask every single person their availability. And when they're not available, we have to rethink what that role is. Oh. Yeah. Every time. Wow. You seem to put a lot more thought into your movies than I do, though, maybe. <laughs> well, it's my, day, it's my day job. So. Oh, is it really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, where do you work? I work at Will Interactive. We okay. make interactive training films for oh, my. people like the NFL, the FBI, the our big client is the Army. Um, oh, wow. So we do a lot of military films, all oh. dealing with, like, suicide prevention and sexual assault prevention. And, wow. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So They're all, like, all choose your own adventure. I wish. The one one was a musical. Was I was really? so happy. Oh, that's great. Yeah. A good industrial is a really... They're tough. They're, they're tough, tough yeah. but they're so necessary because we've all sat through very bad industrials. I'm sure. There's a teacher here. I'm sure you've had oh, to watch yeah. the... Oh, yeah. Tons of those little films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I made one once. I made one industrial in my yeah. life. I had a really good time making it. What was it? It was about how to use the audiovisual system in the old law school here. Okay. Because uh, the professors didn't know how to do it, and... There were two different kinds of systems was the big problem. Mm. So my boss paid me extra to write and produce this video. And I wrote this script. And it was just the silliest thing in the world. But it did the job. And she and I was convinced she was going to be like, no, no, seriously. <laughs> take this seriously. Yeah. But she loved it. And she let me do it my whole, my way, cast it my way. It still did all the bits. Uh, and then the school said no. <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating. Like... The, the ones that are fun and mm-hmm. exciting to do and that you had a good time making actually are more impactful yeah. than the other ones. But whatever big corporation or big giant industry just is like, let's take the fun out of this. And well, because they get scared. To, yeah. I think they got scared that people weren't going to take it seriously. seriously. Yeah. And and I, I get that. But at the same time, it was an AV system. Like, I mean, okay, sexual assault, all those things. Very serious subjects demanding of serious attention and a certain tone because you don't want the people watching it who maybe aren't taking it seriously to have any excuse to laugh. I get that. But this is push this button to get the projector to come on. Like, But we've learned. Seriously. We, you know, one of the things that Will did back in the day was they learned really quickly that if you put real world situations and make these people seem – like they could be you mm-hmm. or they could be your best friend, you actually retain the information better than if it's like Billy, who's some guy that we don't know. Mm-hmm. If it's Billy and he's 18 and a soldier and he's from Lubbock, Texas, mm-hmm. and he has a background and you're like, oh, my buddy's from Lubbock, Texas. I know this. I'm going to pay more attention to Billy than mm-hmm. the guy on the film. Back Make him life. a person. Yeah. yeah. Give him a backstory. Give him a history. Give him something. some fun. Give him some life because people have fun in life no right. matter what. They really do. No matter yeah. what they're doing. They make it. Yeah, you watch those industrials. Those are my favorite uh, mystery science theater shorts. Mm-hmm. Of the <laughs> last clear chance. And then the guy who got hit by the train is the worst. I don't oh, remember it's, which one it's called. But is it that is, the alcohol one where he's like? Is it? I, don't, I can't remember. There's one. There's a drunk driving one right. where a, a teenager is like paralyzed. And that is awful. But in it, but there's a one that's I, I think doesn't mean to be awful, but it's like railroad safety and the guy's paralyzed and it doesn't mean to be as like depressing as yeah. it absolutely is. But there's a few shots in it where there's like 
pullbacks <laughs> in the dark, and you're just like, is he going to kill himself? Is he... Oh, no, no. Okay, no. okay, okay. We're, okay. We're, good. Okay. We're, we're, good. we're okay. We're okay. But it is really, yeah. Now, looking back with that lens, you're like, these weren't meant to be funny, but right. now, oh, man, they're, they're super hilarious. funny. Oh, yeah. they're the best ever. There's a great one you can find called Mr. B Natural, which is a promo film for con... Uh, I remember the product, Con Musical Instruments. Okay. Mr. B Natural, as in the music note, mm-hmm. B Natural, yeah. is supposed to be like this Peter Pan-esque figure played by this woman. And it is, oh, it's so creepy and hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's the worst. It's so funny. Stanley Wayne Mathis was Schroeder, right. and he's African-American. Like, right. And it's so easy to do that in this show which I think is cool because they never looked like the original characters it's like one of the big things they talked about with the 1967 is it's like they don't actually look like them no Gary Burkhoff looks okay. nothing like Charlie and they yeah. didn't shave his head they didn't, no. put him they didn't even put him in the shirt Oh, he's just wearing like a red. They're all wearing like Lucy wears orange. Yeah, Yeah. it looks like the original production of Merrily. Like they're just wearing sweatshirts and jeans and like (laughs) hats. And Snoopy has like a turtleneck on. Right, and he has a scarf for the Red Baron scene. But yeah, they don't make them. They don't try to make them look like. Mm -mm. They're just sort of. No, it's very like the Godspell principle. It's mm-hmm. a bunch of cubes, mm-hmm. a bunch of people in primary colors. Right. Or the Fantastics Principle. It's yeah. the same. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's a room, it's a set, it's a piano, yeah. and, and yeah. here we go. Yeah. And Happiness, and Happiness is a gorgeous song. I really think It is, except I was teaching it to a bunch of little kids mm-hmm. when I was teaching some little kids. And Evan and I were teaching a class together, and we were like, oh, let's do Happiness. It's really easy, but like trying to stage Happiness... Oh, it's like trying to stage day by day. Yeah. Nothing. There's nothing, nothing to cling happening. to. Yeah. Like you're just listing a bunch of things that are that are neat. Mm-hmm. Well, that's when I when we. <laughs> but it's like it's still one of my favorite songs ever. But yeah. to try like as an actor, happiness. Oh, it's useless. Trying to act like happiness is morning and evening, daytime and nighttime. Time two, right? That's <laughs> and love. it thinks very slowly. Yes, it does. It's a very slow song. You're just like sweet. Jesus, and try to get trying to get like a bunch of five year olds to stand still and have interesting faces. It's got that hand in hand moment, anyway. So yeah, like, that's everybody... nice. Happiness is singing together when Anyone and anything at all that's loved by you. I had that experience directing Godspell, and we got to Day by Day, and I staged the first verse, and then I was like, I'm gonna take a nap. Yeah. And then. You run into the house, I guess. I'm like, what? There's nothing to do here because it's the same song now four or five times. Now you look at her. Right. <laughs> now we're going to go to the audience and clap. <laughs> did you look at him yet? Yeah. Okay, look at him. Oh, you did that too? Godspell, oh, that's another show that I love, but I hate watching. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I've never seen a production of Godspell. Every time I go to see Godspell or Hair. Well, I, Hair will always be ruined for. And Hair you is and I. one of my favorite shows of all time. But, like,. Godspell more than hair. Like, I always feel like I'm at a really great party, and everyone there is really cool and interesting, and everyone there is having a really good time, but I don't know anyone, and I can't find the person I came with. <laughs> oh. And I really need to ride See, home. I think Godspell often falls into the problem. 
off of that, I think Godspell often falls in the problem of everyone on stage is having a lot of fun. That's what I mean. And yeah. I'm like... And you're just like... Well, this is... this. You guys seem like you're having a good right. time. You guys are certainly can, having fun up can there. Can I go? Right. Those are the shows that you always want to be in as an actor, but you never want exactly. to see your friends in. Exactly. It's like, it's nice that you're doing hair, but I'm not it's interested like cool. in watching you have fun. I think it's because... I've seen you naked. Right. Oh, I, don't need, I, I don't need any of that. Well, I... I, 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 I probably can, have. I mean... We could talk all day yeah. about hair. I, I think nobody ever does hair right, personally. That's the sort of... I the mean, problem with hair. I don't know, but, man. I've seen a lot of productions of hair that I thought maybe this would be the one and... I don't but know I don't that, think that I have an idea that's better than their idea. I just but don't I don't, think it works. Oh, God, this is a whole other thing. But I just broke <laughs> ass, and I might edit all this out. Yeah, the, that um, is one of my favorite cast albums, too. Is Hair the original one? The Broadway one. The Broadway one, yeah. The, um, I do like Nell Carter. Hair is... What, what, what is lost about Hair is how much of a downer that show is. Yep. Oh, People God. run from the downness of it, but that show ends on a giant down note. Oh, God, yeah. And it has to because that that's what gives it its East Coast hippie. Like, it's this mm-hmm. realism yeah. about, like, the situation. It's cold in the winter and, like, we're all for peace and love, but we also have to, like, eat and shelter ourselves yeah. as opposed to, but it gets staged a lot, like, West Coast hippie stuff, yeah. which is, like, we can sleep outside, so who gives it, like, whatever. Yeah, you're right. And but it you're right. doesn't... You're giving the book more than it deserves, though. I agree. The show's flawed. Oh, I, I do. It's a deeply yeah. flawed show, yeah. but I think, well, I'm also, I'm colored, and I'm colored by Godspell because the original production I saw, Nothing Will Ever Be As Good. It was mm-hmm. a high school production. I was 10 years old, and it changed my life. So, um, like... I feel that way about Joseph. Okay, oh, there you go. No. Good. <laughs> I feel like that's too many times. I saw a kind of production of yeah. Joseph and thought it was like the greatest thing I've ever seen. And I still love is. that show and I've done it like three times. I yeah, love that show. that's a fun yeah. I mean, it is garbage. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. It's, <laughs> but gold-plated garbage. I yes. mean, it is, it's, there's a, there's a, there's something I for everyone in that show. I will go watch any, if you're like, hey, I'm in this production of Joseph, I'll come to it. <laughs> Great. Especially if it's a high school production of Joseph, because those kids are living. They are. Yeah. It's so stupid and so fun. Yeah. I also know more about Joseph than any other biblical character because of Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dream. Right. Oh yeah. How many of Can those twelve tribes of say. Israel are on the crossword puzzle? Like every other. They day? are. Like, Dad is on that like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> we went to school with someone named Naphtali. Um, yes, we did. Yeah. <laughs> well, Harry. I was going to say Harry is also ruined. He was Naphtali Cummings Larson. Um, is ruined for us because we did it. And I think that ruins a show. I didn't really do too. it. I just lived you in the house. You pushed me off the stage. You absolutely did it. <gasps> I you, did. You did. You shoved me you know, on purpose. That was every night you pushed me off the stage during Electric Blues. Yeah, so. That's the only part I did, though. Right. I wasn't in the show. Well, you pushed I just me off the stage. You, off just, the you stage pushed me off the stage top part. of back, too. The original cast was recorded at the Media Production Center at American University. Special thanks to Jeffrey Madison, Tom Fish, Imani Mular, and the tireless staff of students who run the front desk. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. You can email us at OriginalCastPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to the Original Cast on iTunes, and while you're there, please give us a comment and a rating so other people can find the show. My thanks to Tracy, Megan, Don Mike, Jason, Evan, Eric, Roddy, Nick, Liz, Hannah, Michael, Lee, and Sophie for coming down and talking to me over the last six months. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. I've got you to lean on. We've got you to lean on.